Good, good, good. Glad to have all of you here. Let's welcome our online family joining us. Give them a big hand of welcome online joining us today. So good to have all of you here. Uh, aren't you glad to be a part of this church? I'm so glad to be a part of this church family. Love y'all so much. So many good things going on this weekend. We will commission five different families to raise their children for Jesus Christ. Five different families will be on stage as we pray over them and their children and commission them to raise those kids for Jesus. Next weekend, we're going to baptize about 18 people next weekend, baptizing new believers. And uh, we're really excited about that. We've had so many good things going on. I had a, I wanted to share with you, I had a uh, young pastor write me this week, sent me an email from California that I'd never met before. And he's just been uh, voted in as pastor of his church, a really successful church out in California. And he sent an email and he said some years ago in ministry in 2017, he said, I was looking for some sermons online and to find a church online. And he said, I found you guys at Upward. And he wrote me the sweetest email. He's been with us regularly for the last six years. And he said, you didn't know it, but you were mentoring a young pastor from afar. And he begins his pastoral ministry November the 12th. And uh, I was just so blessed by that. What you're doing is making a difference all around the country and in many places of the world. And that's just a joy to see. We are in part four of a series called Follow. And we're learning how to follow Jesus Christ. I know that sounds really simple, and it is very simple. It's very liberating to know that you don't have to figure it all out, that you just have to follow Jesus. And I've heard so many responses from you guys saying, thank you for this, and we got to just thank Jesus for it. I'll tell this again. I was walking around a lake about four weeks ago, struggling with the complexities of life, trying to figure out what I was going to do next, and trying to figure out all the moving parts and the moving pieces. Life was feeling really stressful and complicated. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, Son, I've got this all figured out. All you have to do is follow me. So we've learned over the last four weeks that we're not figurers, but we're followers, right? We're not strategizers, but we're followers. All we have to do is follow Jesus. It's as simple as that. And we've been looking at three words over the last three weeks. First week we talked about listen and we learned to listen to Jesus. Last week we talked about obedience and how important it is to let your actions line up with what you confess that you believe. Today we're going to tackle that third word, abide, and we're going to learn about abiding in Christ. How do we actually abide in Christ? I would submit to you that the word abide is pretty hard to grasp in our culture today because we're really not good at abiding in anything at all. Anybody other than me find your attention span getting shorter? I do believe that your attention span is directly, the length of it is directly related to how much you scroll on social media and how many reels you watch and things like that. Things are so fast. We don't want long reports. We want sound bites. I'm, I'm just honest with you. If I look up a video at YouTube University, any of y'all been to YouTube uni University, you can find out how to do just about anything. Are y'all like me? I look for the shortest video possible. If it says how to do something, I don't want the 13-minute video. I want the 2-minute, 30-second video because my attention span is shorter, I feel like, than it used to be. I want to look from thing to thing to thing. 
And Jesus said, abide in me and let my words abide in you. How do we truly abide in Christ? Abiding in Christ just means we stay in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It sounds like it takes a long time. Anybody with me? Sounds like abiding must be a long-term commitment here. And I may have you scared because your schedule is so busy. When I was a kid, this pastor came to our church and preached. And I remember, even as a kid, I was kind of in awe of him. He talked about prayer, and he told us that he prayed five hours every day. And I was like, wow, this guy is right up there with Jesus He prays five hours every day. My thought as a kid was, wow, I could never do that. I'm I'm just being honest with you. Don't look at me with those judgmental eyes. I can feel that coming up here. I thought to myself, five hours a day on your knees by your bed, I could never possibly do that. And some of you may be a little scared tonight. Uh, Just relax. My sermon tonight is not how you should and could pray for five hours a day because we're all pretty busy, right? This means yes. We're all pretty busy, especially if you young family with kids. Sometimes you talk about having a devotional life and young families wonder how in the world they're going to do that. Uh, I'm, I don't have this anymore, but I remember the days of getting up early to get the kids up and getting them ready to go to school. You're trying to get them some food in them and clothes on them and trying to get them out the door to go to school, and finally you get them to school and you breathe a sigh of relief. Then you turn and go to work, and many families in our day, mom and dad both have to work, so they go to work, and then along about 3 o'clock, you got to figure out what to do with the kids now. You go pick them up, or they come home on the bus. About that time, it comes along, you have an activity or two or three or six that the children are involved in. Anybody feeling the pain right now, and you understand what I'm talking about? they got to go three different directions, and they're different ages, so it's in different locations. So you try to get them there. Dinner, what's dinner? It's running in between places, hitting maybe a drive-through and shoving some food in your mouth as you drive. And then you go to the game or the event. By that time, you come home and you've got homework now. You get the homework done and it's just about time to go to bed. And you go to bed so you can get up the next day and do it all over again. Then on Saturday, you're trying to, am I, am I portraying this correctly? Am I wearing you out already? Then on Saturday, you get up and you do all the things you tried to do during the week but couldn't because you were so busy with the kids. So you manage to get that then done. Then on Sunday, you go to church. I'll take what I can get. And then you start the whole process over again. And when I talk about abiding in Christ, you think, how in the world can I fit something like abiding into my schedule? I want to give you some good news tonight. Abiding in Christ is not an activity that you need to fit into your calendar. Abiding in Christ is actually a mindset that you can carry into your life 24-7. You can abide in Christ constantly and consistently 24-7 because abiding is not an event or an activity. It is a mindset. I believe this. Abiding in Christ in large part means we learn to think like Jesus thinks. The Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if I'm going to abide in Jesus Christ and follow him, 
I must learn to think the way Jesus thinks. How many think you can change your thinking? One of the big lies that the devil tells us is that you can't control your thoughts. Some people believe that. Some people believe I can't control my moods and I can't control my thoughts. If I'm in a bad mood, I'm just going to be in a bad mood and everybody's got to deal with it. No, you can get yourself in a better mood. Yeah, you can. Some people think my thoughts just come to me and I can't do anything about it. I'm just a slave to my thoughts and whatever thoughts come to my head, I just have to run with it all day. No, you don't have to run with every thought that pops into your mind. You can direct your thoughts in the right direction. young man came to Martin Luther one time and he told him, he said, what do I do? I can't control my lustful thoughts. Can you control them? And Martin Luther said this so wisely. He said, I can't stop a bird from flying over my head, but I can stop him from building a nest in my hair. I can't stop thoughts from popping into my mind because sometimes I have a bad thought. I don't know about y'all. None of y'all do. Y'all are so precious and holy. God bless y'all. Love y'all so much. Such holy people here. Y'all never have a negative thought. This old boy up here does. Once in a while, bad thoughts in my head. I don't have to dwell on it. I can say no and think on something else. In fact, the Bible is full of this over and over again. Colossians, it says, set your affections on things above. Paul in Philippians says, let this mind be in you, Philippians 2. Philippians 4, he says, think on these things. A key to abiding in Christ is to begin to think like Jesus Christ to regulate my thoughts and refocus my thoughts. You see, when you came to Jesus Christ, Jesus now has your heart. Jesus won your heart and Satan lost it. And he knows it. And he doesn't like it. Here's what happens though. When Satan loses your heart, he will battle for your mind. My heart got saved and changed totally by Jesus Christ. But I've still got a brain up here that's the battlefield of Satan. And the battle to abide in Christ is a battle in your mind, in your head. There's a battle to take your thoughts to a different direction. And If we're going to follow Jesus, we need to learn to think like he thinks. Now, how does Jesus think? Thankfully, Paul tells us. In Philippians chapter 2, he says this. We're going to look at a few verses in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, verses 5 and 6, Paul says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to hear God's word tonight. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, he, he doesn't say, make this mind be in you. Or will this mind to be in you? He says, let it happen. Implying to me that something out there is moving in my life that wants to move me in that direction. And it is the Holy Spirit who wants to direct your mind to think like Jesus thinks. And Paul says, simply allow the Lord to do this. Allow this mind to be in you. And it's the mind of Jesus Christ. 
if we will let Jesus' mind and Jesus' thoughts become our mind and our thoughts, we're set up well to follow Christ when we think like he thinks. He goes on to say this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. What does that mean? He, he's saying Jesus is God and he knows that he's God. Jesus is God and he knows so. He said being in the form of God, he didn't consider equality with God something he had to take. Jesus knows who he is. He knows that he's God. Right? Right? He knows he has all authority. He knows he has all power. You see, this Jesus is the one that created the universe. The Bible said he spoke the worlds into existence with his mouth. And he upholds the world by his power. All power and authority rests in Jesus Christ. And he knows that. Did you know authority and power change people? Authority and power can do crazy things to people when they're given authority. Have you ever known a person who got a little bit of power and they turned into a worse person than they were? You ever known some people who you give them a little bit of authority and then they start acting crazy and trying to lord it over other people? Corrupt humanity when given authority and power, they will get corrupted. The old statement, absolute power corrupts absolutely. You put power in many people's hands, it will make them worse. But here's what Paul says about Jesus Christ. He knew the power and authority that he had. He knew exactly who he was. And he did not lord it over other people. He goes on to say this. This is what Jesus did knowing who he was. Listen, he's in heaven. He's God. He's the creator. But here's what he did, knowing his power, verse 7, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. With all power and all authority, Jesus still thought about serving other people, not about dominating them. That's the mind of Christ. He understood that the power and blessing given to him was given him to serve other people. And that's the mind that has to be in us if we follow Jesus Christ. We have to recognize that God put us here on earth and he's blessed us. Anybody been blessed tonight? Anybody say, thank you, Lord, for what he's given me and what he's done in my life. He's saved us. He's changed us. He's blessed us. He's given you things you didn't think you'd have. He's changed your life. He's set you free. It is so easy for humanity to take the blessings of God and get prideful over them and think we had something to do with it. It's so easy as a Christian, and I see Christians doing it all the time, and I've probably been guilty of it in my life before, to take the blessings of God and just think, okay, now I'm a notch above the other people that are around me, and now I can show them. 
Jesus had all authority and power, and he used that power to serve others. There's a beautiful passage in the book of John chapter 13 that shows this idea so clearly. John 13 verses 3 through 5, I love it. It says this, and I want you to, I want you to hear this carefully. It said, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Here it is. Jesus knew that God had put all authority in his hands. He knew God had given him all power. He knew his position. He knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. He was secure in his relationship with the Father. Jesus knew he had authority to speak to things and they would happen. Do you know Jesus did not have to go to the cross? He could have said no. Old, old song when I was a kid. This will date me if you know. There's an old, old gospel song that said he could have called 10,000 angels to come down and take him off the cross. He knew he had the power. He knew he could have done all these things. In this moment, it said Jesus, fully aware of who he was, fully aware of his power. Verse 4, here's what he did. He rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. The mindset of Jesus is this. The mind that must be in us if we are to abide in Christ is that all power and blessing that come to us come to us so that we might serve others, not to promote ourselves. You see... The mindset of Jesus is not a mindset of self. It's a mindset of service to other people. It's not about me. It's about serving other people. That's his heart in his mind. And that must be the heart, must be the heart we have if we follow Jesus, right? Isn't it easy to slip into a mindset of self? Somebody's called this passage by the way Philippians 2 is thought by many to be a hymn of the early church that the early church sang beautiful hymn beautiful poetry somebody has called this the great parabola of scripture anybody know what a parabola is we need to go back to high school math a, par a parabola is a a curve on a graph yeah the high schoolers over here know what a parabola is a parabola is a, is a curve on a graph. It's a, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's perfectly symmetric. It's a symmetric arch or a curve that goes up and then comes down. You didn't know you came here to learn math tonight, did you? Or it can go down and curve back up. Somebody said that many scholars call this the great parabola of Scripture because it says this, Jesus being equal in the, watch the parabola here, are you with me? Jesus being up here equal to God, knowing who he was, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He went from heaven, right? One step down, a long step down was becoming a man. Are you with me? 
it's a long way from the king of kings of the universe and the creator of the world to actually being found in appearance as a man. He was born and became a man. He came down from heaven to be a man. And then he went down further. He didn't come as a king. Do you realize God bringing his son to earth could have had him born into any family he wanted? He could have been a prince. He could have been born in a castle or a palace. He could have been Solomon, who's the richest man on earth. But when God came to be born in human flesh, guess where he was born? He was born into a working class family with people who were poor. Say, how do we know Joseph and Mary are poor? Due to the offering they offered when Jesus was born in the temple, it tells us they were poor. Imagine that. God sent his son to be born in a poor family. Why? Because he didn't come to exalt himself in the flesh. He came to serve. That's the mindset of Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm going to say something I probably shouldn't say. No, I won't say it anyway. I heard a preacher the other day just bragging about all the stuff he's got and how much money he's got and what a big house he's got and how Jesus gave him all this money and I wanted to vomit. If you're watching these guys, turn them off. Because when God sent his son to this earth, he sent him into a poor family. Now, I know there's no glory in being poor. And I believe God wants to bless us in all kinds of ways. But I want you to hear what the mind of Christ is. He humbled himself. He went from being God to being a man. And then he wasn't just any man. It said he made himself. He took on the form of a bond servant. He took on the form of a slave. He went down even further. Then it says this, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. He went down further. And then it took him as low as a human being could possibly go. He died the death on the cross. The lowest, most vulgar and horrible way to die was on a cross. It was reserved for the worst criminals. Jesus went from heaven to being a man, to being a slave, being a servant, to dying, to dying on the cross like a common criminal. Here's the parabola from heaven to earth to man to a servant to a slave to death, to death on a cross. Then it says, you ready? You watching the parabola? You got to watch this sermon. You can't just hear it. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, I'm not tall enough to do this. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on the earth, and those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's where you shout right there. He came down and God highly exalted him. That's the mind of Christ. In the kingdom of God, the way to go up is to go down. The way to go upward, upward, is to go downward in service. Can I tell you that's been true at Upward? The more downward we went and just decided to serve with no recognition, with no fanfare, with no advertisement, the more we go down and serve, the higher God exalts us and uses us for his glory. Because that's how the parabola works. I'm getting old, folks, I'm telling you. But you know, there's a parabola in Scripture that works the other way. There's an angel in heaven called Lucifer. Right? 
he started pretty high too. He's an angel in heaven. The evidence is that his angelic, that he was a top tier angel in heaven. But he wasn't content with what he did. And if you read the account of Lucifer, he keeps saying, I will ascend. I will go higher. I will become more. I will exalt myself until I am God. You see, he pushed himself upward. Careful now, upward. But He tried to take over the throne of God. His parabola went up and then God said, nope, you're going down. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven and he was cast down to earth. See, the way up is to go down. And the quickest way down is to take self and try to raise it up. The mind of Christ says you become great by serving others. Can I get an amen upward? It says he made himself of no reputation. That's the mind of Christ. You don't care who gets the glory, but Jesus. Can I get an amen? When we do things here at Upward, let me tell you how we do it, just so you'll know. When we give something away, we don't tell about it. We'll tell y'all because y'all gave it. We don't advertise. We do stuff all the time, and I hope I'm not bragging about it now, bragging about how humble we are. (laughs) But I just want you to hear the heart. When we give to an event or an organization, we tell them you don't need to put our logo on anything as anything at all because we're giving this unconditionally. This is not a marketing strategy. This is generosity. Don't put our name even with it. Just tell people it came from Jesus because it's not ours anyway. Go down and serve. That's where the joy is. That's where the power is. That's the mind of Christ. That's how to follow Christ. You can think about self-promotion and get knocked down. Or you can give yourself in service and be lifted up by God. I love this about Jesus. He told the disciples, when you go to a party, and they set people in parties according to rank, the host of the party would be up in the center, in the middle, and there'd be tables running this way and tables running all the way to the back. Right? The most exalted guest would be at the host's right hand. That's y'all right here. Front row, exalted, right here. I got bad news for you people in the back. You think y'all can handle this? I love y'all back there in the back, and somebody's got to hold down that back row, so we're okay. The people in the back corners over there, I see y'all back there, and I love y'all. In fact, one of them's Bonnie back there in the back corner. You people back there, if this were a Jewish feast, you just barely made it to the party. You barely got invited. People up here, they're solid. They're the exalted ones. You folks back there, you just barely got it. In the Jewish feast, I know you're here. You know what Jesus told the disciples to do? He said, when you go to a party, sit at the back. That doesn't mean when you come to church, you're supposed to sit in the back row. So I know what some of you think. He said, when you go, sit in the less honorable positions. And if you humble yourself, the host will call you up. 
He said, the worst thing you can do is go take the best seat and be told to go to the back. But the heart of Jesus is that, a heart of humility. I didn't say you were a doormat for everybody. I didn't say you let everybody run over you. But I do say this, when God blesses you and he gives you things, you follow Jesus by having that mindset of Christ that is to serve, not to be served. An attitude that doesn't feel entitled but an attitude that says, I'm going to give everything I have with an open hand. When Paul said he made himself of no reputation, he means he emptied himself in service to God and to others. That's the mind of Jesus, and that's how we abide in Christ. How do we apply this? How do I live this out in situations that I find myself into. I want to give you a personal testimony here. Can I do that? Can I tell you how I struggle and how I find life in this? I find myself in situations often, often, that my flesh does not want me to be like Jesus. I can see that it's only me. Did, did any of y'all find yourself in a situation almost weekly that you really just don't feel too loving. Still, only two of us now. I find myself in situations that I'm not really happy with people. I told you about last week, and, and you look so shocked, but last week I told you about running into a guy and so rude to me, and I just had the urge just to sock him. I know that's not very preacher-like, and it's certainly not very Jesus-like, but he was so incredibly rude, I just thought, oh. In that moment, I was not being like Jesus. In that moment, I was having the mindset of self. I was looking at the world through the lens of how does this situation affect me? I know you're guilty of that. I'm not going to ask you because I know you wouldn't admit it. I've seen so few hands go up tonight, but I am so guilty from time to time of looking at everything based on how it affects me. And in that situation, I was not thinking about anything. I was not thinking about that guy who was rude. I was not thinking about maybe what he'd been through to get him to that point. I was not thinking of the fact that maybe he had a very unstable home life and that's the only way he knew how to act. I was not thinking about all the burdens he might have been going through. And I'm ashamed to say I wasn't thinking very much at all about his eternal soul. I was just thinking about he had wronged me and I was right and he was wrong and I was ready to settle the score. I talk a big talk, but I couldn't have settled very much. But I was ready to settle the score. In that moment, I was only thinking about me. But I was asking the wrong question. The wrong question in life is how does this affect me? The right question is this, and this is what you can do to abide in Christ. Whenever you find yourself in a difficult situation, you can say, what is God up to right now? I don't need a whole lot of amens because I know that's a hard one. 
But I can tell you this is honest truth. Over the last two or three years, I've found myself challenged between those two questions all the time because my natural inclination when I'm wronged, when someone is rude, when something doesn't go right, my natural fleshly inclination is to say, this affects me negatively and I don't like it. The right question to ask is, God, what are you up to in this situation? And how can I cooperate with you? I had a conversation with a friend this week. And uh, this friend was sharing about dealing with a very, very difficult person in his life. And this person had some real problems. This person was just plain hard to deal with. And my friend was telling me, we were at the gym, my friend was telling me all about it, and uh, I was thinking, man, that's rough. And I heard all the difficulties they had, and I'm like, man, that guy's got a problem. And I was thinking about, man, I wouldn't like to deal with that. And then my friend said this, and it convicted me. He said, every time I'm around this person, I wonder what happened in this guy's life to make him act that way. And in that moment, I thought, this is a man of God I'm talking to. Because I just wanted to punch a kid. He's actually looking past how this makes him feel. And he's thinking about what God is doing and what God may want to do in that person's life. And he's actually showing forth the grace of God and wanting to be a part of the solution. And I was humbled. And I was challenged. I want to ask you that question tonight. When you're in the midst of difficult situations, the call is to follow Jesus. When you're in the midst of trying times, the call is there to follow Jesus, to listen, to obey, and to abide. And in order to abide in Christ, in order to walk in Jesus, we must let his mind be in us and instead of looking at life through the lens of how does this affect me can we make a decision to repent can we make a decision just to repent and say God I'm sorry for making this all about me I'm sorry for making this all about my feelings God what are you up to in this situation and how can I cooperate with you let this mind be in you upward. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the privilege to be here to serve you and to love you. Thank you, Jesus, for the joy we have. Jesus, teach us to let this mind be in us. Jesus, thank you that you were willing to humble yourself, to come from the glory of heaven to this earth, to a man, to death, to a criminal's death to save us, to change us. Thank you, Jesus, that when something affected you so terribly in the worst possible way, Jesus, you put aside what it did to you. And Lord, you thought of what that would do for us by your obedience. Lord, may that mind be in us as we walk forward in life. That we make our lives not about self, but about service. That we would see beyond challenging circumstances to see what you're up to in every situation. I pray it in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here right
right now saying or watching online you say it's time for me to say yes to Jesus it's time for me to say yes to him as Savior and Lord could I see your hand right now we won't embarrass anybody saying yes to Jesus how many would say pastor before God tonight there are many situations in my life that I need to just stop with how it affects me and I need to just say God what are you doing right now in this situation? Can I see your hands tonight? Oh, yeah, watch it. That's me. That's you. Father, thank you for open hearts tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet right now? Hey, next week, two things I want to do real quick. Next week is going to be a very special weekend at Upward. Uh, we're going to call it Dream Again. Uh, we're really excited about new dreams that God is bringing to us, a new vision that God is bringing to us about... Uh, in 2003 to about 2005, we moved from Washington Street over here to Upward Road, built this building, and uh, we have seen God do so much. I think we had maybe 250 people coming at the time. We've got about 1,500 coming now, people getting saved all the time, exciting. We're packing the community in a huge way. We're so excited about that. God gave us some great dreams back in about 2003 and four. God's giving us some new dreams again. We're going to take that hill for Jesus, aren't we? We're going to do some big things for Jesus. We're going to be unleashing some new visions starting next Thursday night of great things God's calling us to dream about together. So you want to be here next week, all right? Are you ready for that? You excited about that? Uh, secondly, you may have seen on Facebook, the Sheriff's Department put, how many have seen that post on Facebook about the kids breaking into the box out there? Okay. Uh, I guess we can call them the Jaguar Bandits. They drove a Jaguar up here and broke into our box here. Uh, it's been uh, shared like almost 350 times on Facebook already, so they're going to find out who these guys are. Uh, we didn't lose anything. We rarely even use that as an offering box. It's more to put letters in and stuff like that. Uh, somebody on Facebook suggested we put a Bible in there and some tracks, and we never considered putting a Bible and tracks in a locked box, but maybe we're actually not even going to put the box back because we barely use it. Uh, we wish no ill will towards anyone. We're not mad or angry and didn't lose anything except a box that we hardly ever use. So we want to pray for those kids. Amen. We want them to come to Jesus Christ. Don't you? Hey, don't you? Is our heart of love right? Okay. Uh, that might be the mind. Maybe I should work that into the sermon this weekend and just keep going. might be the mind of Christ that we don't get all ticked off these kids, that we pray for them to get saved, all right? Uh, I've said this before. If they'd come and ask us, we'd have helped them with whatever they needed help with in the first place and saved them a whole lot of trouble. Let's pray for those kids right now. Jesus, thank you uh, for these two young men you brought on. To our, well, maybe you didn't bring them on here, but they got here. Maybe the devil brought them here, but, God, you had a purpose in it because nothing escapes your notice. And God, these kids were here, and yeah, they did something insignificant. They're misguided kids, but Lord, we pray that you'll save them, Jesus. We pray that one day they'll be right in here as a part of this family, saved, changed by you, and on a new mission. We bless them tonight in Jesus' name. Now, I want to bless you tonight with the mind of Jesus. That when you're wronged, oh, that's when the test is, friends, it's when you're wronged. It's not when everybody's hugging you and saying you're okay, but it's when you're wronged that the mind of Christ will prevail in you. And you won't just say, oh, this is bad about me, it's bad to me. You'll say, God, what are you up to in this situation? How can it be redeemed for your glory and blessing? I bless you with that tonight in Jesus' name. I commission you, go out of this place. Make Jesus known in your world. Love y'all. Thank you for being here tonight. We will see you next week. It's going to be a lot of fun, going to be exciting. See you then. Love you so much.